Hello and welcome to season two, episode nine of The Enthusiasm Project. My name is Tom and today we're going to dive into my biggest YouTube regret. The thing I regret the most after spending two and a half years on YouTube and I think this will be interesting for anybody who is currently or thinking about starting a YouTube channel. But before going into that, just a couple quick updates on things we've been talking about in past episodes this season, the last few months. First of all, I think I mentioned this last week, but Heather and I did officially start our LLC. So we are like a legitimate business entity within the state of California. And that is, it's kind of, you know, crazy exciting. So progress there. And then we are currently also working on developing some courses with a, I don't want to say tentative, but I, I should say a, a firm launch date of March 1st. So she's helping me put together, well, actually we're just working on it together. It's not even that she's helping to me. It's legit just a 50-50 project, which is really fun because it's kind of different from how I've done anything. But she's helping me put together um, I just like contradicted myself. We are working together to create a course based on how to improve your tutorial videos because that's kind of one of the things I'm really good at and I have zero experience with how online courses are put together. I know real world courses like in schools and stuff, but I don't know anything about online courses. So Heather's kind of an expert in that area and she's helping me put that together. And then we're also working on a course, I guess I'll say for her, but it just sort of means like courses that lean towards one of our area. Oh, did you just hear a notification? <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, areas that that lean towards one of our areas of expertise over the other. And it's it's really exciting. It's coming along great. Like it's really fun. It's totally different. It's something I've not put together before. And I'm really, really excited about it. So progress being made on those fronts. I'm sure Heather will be around to give kind of an update in the next episode or so. But in the meantime, there's, there's a couple of reasons I wanted to talk about today's topic. The first of which being that I recently crossed the 10,000 subscriber mark on my channel, which like I don't mean to, that's not a brag or a boast, but it's kind of crazy that you can just make something and 10,000 people will sign up for it, especially for someone like me where, you know, I kind of like mentioned this in my thank you video, but spending a lot of your life, especially as a kid in those formative years, feeling like you don't belong and you don't fit in to be able to make something and then have people from all over the world react positively to it. And in a number that's ridiculous is, you know, it, it's overwhelming. It's ridiculous. I, it hasn't, hasn't fully sunk in yet. And I know, you know, in the world of YouTube, it's like people have hundreds of thousands and millions and tens of millions of subscriber-based channels. But oh, if you have a channel or you start one, just you know, getting a hundred, getting fifty, getting a thousand is a real struggle, a real battle. So ten thousand is that's a number. I just remember thinking like it's crazy how the goalpost has moved, <laughs> and and I I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but it's just a thing that has happened where. The first few, I just remember starting, okay, the first few months I had my channel, the idea of getting to 100 subscribers was like 
that was the thing where I thought like, now I'm legit. Because you get your custom URL, it's really easy to, you know, then share out after that. I didn't want anyone in my real life, basically other than Heather, to know that I had a YouTube channel until I had 100 subscribers just because it felt like that was going to be more legit. If, you know, if someone I know stumbled across it and there were 100 people as opposed to like zero or two or something. And I don't know. I don't, you know, that was just how I felt. I don't know if there's any real logic behind it. And then I hit 100 and it was like, wow, this is amazing. And it just kind of went up and, you know, it took like six months to get to 100 and then it took another six months to get to 1,000. So that second six months, there was, you know, almost 100 new subscribers every month. So it felt like this was a lot of growth compared to what I had been used to. And then the idea of getting close to 1,000, I just remember that was like, okay, 1,000 is... Like after that, I don't care. That it, it might as well be a million. Like that—that's the finish line. That's the marker. Hit that, and and everything is good. And then the idea of like ten thousand was like, no, that's like where the big kids are, <laughs> and you know, it's just sort of unattainable. And then you know, it just moves, and then you hit ten thousand. You're like, oh, okay, this is crazy. But like clearly, like the big kids are over in hundred thousand, and it just. It just moves, but I, I'm so psyched to like, I don't know. It's just it's just ridiculous. It feels great. I feel like I'm hitting a really good stride with my videos and the channel, and that's all really exciting. I did enable ads after Heather kind of like chastised me on a, a couple weeks ago about that, and you know later that was later that day I decided like I'll go in, I'll turn on ads, nothing crazy. I only turned on skippable ads so no one has to sit through long 15 or 30 second ads and I just put them on the beginning and the ends of videos. So if your video is over 10 minutes, you can put ads at the end. Those don't bother me because who's like the only people that are watching those is if the video finishes and they just leave their device or their computer on and it's going to go like autoplay another video. It'll put some ads there. Those really don't convenience anybody. They don't even bother me as a viewer. Pre-roll ads are a little bit annoying, but I think like Heather said, like people are just so used to it with the platform that, you know, why not try? And so I, I enabled those a few weeks ago. So the analytics are all screwed up. But so far in the past two weeks, it's amounted to uh, like $75, which is nothing crazy. But I think before the end of this month, it'll easily pass the $100 mark, which is still like... Again, nothing crazy, but that easily covers my like caption costs for the month. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it now. Every time I make a video, I have it captioned through rev.com and they charge about a dollar a minute. So depending on how many minutes of videos I have captioned each month, that can easily be $100 a month. And I just figure like, oh, hey, look, my ad money is covering the caption costs. That's cool. And if it goes up beyond that, it'll take a month or two to like really see, or maybe in two or three months, to really see what that ad revenue comes out to. But I'm hoping, I would feel good if it at least sort of averages out around maybe $300 a month. Because in my mind, that's where it starts to enter what what I call a life-changing amount of money. Not that $300 a month is like that insane, but that is a car payment. You know, that's a couple of bills. That's something that like, oh, look, like pressure has been eased because of this income source. As opposed to like, you know, $80 or $100, that's great, but, you know, 
it's not really going to change anything and I'd almost rather just not have the inconvenience of ads on my videos for that amount of money. But anyway, so I'm exploring that. I think it's going well. I think it's only going to go better and it feels kind of nice just to have, you know, your videos generate some money. So I'm easing my way into feeling comfortable with having ads on the videos. But that is not my biggest YouTube regret. So there's a couple of reasons I was thinking about this and I don't know, I'm still debating. I have my notes written out and I'm still debating like, do I say what my regret is now and then like delve into it or do I like give background info and then like say what it is and I don't, I don't know. So it probably makes sense just to say it early. It's not like a big secret or anything, but I just, I want to have this story make sense. So let's see. I started my YouTube channel in June of 2017, uploaded my first video in July of 2017. Between July and the end of August, I kind of sporadically uploaded like six or seven videos, five or six videos, something like that. And then at the end of August 2017 is when I started my 30-day upload challenge, which is cool because by October 1st of 2017, then I had like 36, 37 videos up on my channel and that felt like, hey, look, it's a channel that's real and not necessarily, I think I had like 38 subscribers or something or, you know, 25 subscribers. It wasn't like a huge channel, but it was, there was stuff there. So if you found it, it wasn't just one video or two videos, it was a chunk of videos and you could sift through them and a personality and a style and a, a purpose was starting to emerge. And that was, that was really exciting. But the frustrating part is, I mean, gosh, like clicking that start channel button, which I remember doing it at my kitchen table on, and the only reason I started a channel was because I had shot some drone footage that I just wanted to upload to share on Facebook. And I didn't know like how to do videos on Facebook or whatever. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll like create a channel or something. And that was kind of why I did it or why, what pushed me to do it. But it had been... I mean, really, like, obviously, like, like most people, I've watched YouTube since YouTube has been a thing, or at least most people my age, but I had one, I had seriously, like, wondered about the having a channel process since about, I would say 2012. That was probably when it was seriously, like, I was finding channels that I was regularly watching, mostly like Film Riot, Dave Dugdale, who, who did, like, gear reviews, um, and kind of channels like that, lots of camera-based things, lots of photography related things, gear reviews, you know, uh, old MKBHD, Soldier Knows Best. If you know these channels, a lot of them are still around. But those were, you know, they were kind of earlier times where it was very humble beginnings for them. And I just remember like, like Dave Dugdale specifically is sort of like a semi-older-ish guy who, who does a lot of camera reviews, tutorials, gear reviews, those kinds of things. And his videos are just filmed like in his office at his house and they look great, they sound great, but you know, it's like he's sitting there at his desk with his computer talking about gear or whatever. And you know, he's got like his cup of water next to him and he's got, you know, you can you can just sort of see his environment. And to me, it was like the, the cup of water was a thing that stood out because I just kept thinking, I can imagine this dude like Saturday afternoon, like I'm gonna go film a video, like, you know, gets a cup of water, heads down into the room and like records a video. And it just made it seem so human and attainable like he's just doing it in his house like 
it's clearly not a full-time job. It's just something he's doing on the side for whatever reason. And that was just so interesting to me. I was like, gosh, it's so cool. One day I'd love to be able to do something like that. And every time I would find channels, I would just wonder like, man, these people are so lucky to do this. I wish I, you know, how could I do this one day? I wish I could do this one day. And then I started a Vimeo account <laughs> like in 2013 or 2014 where I uploaded like one or two videos and I had this idea of like, I'm going to have a really nice portfolio of videos. And the thing with Vimeo is it's such a good, it's such a good platform. Like for, sh for making your videos look their best, man, Vimeo is just so good. Uh, for having people actually find and watch your videos, not great. So it's mainly like, you know, if you have clients and you need to deliver video to them or you're specifically embedding videos in a website and you're not trying to direct traffic to an outside channel or anything, Vimeo is just terrific. But if you're trying to build an audience or anything like that or find organic views, Vimeo is just not the outlet for that. And so I ended up just, and plus you have to pay for it too. It's not free for, for those kinds of things. So I ended up just like canceling my account so I could stop paying money for nothing. And then eventually, then nothing happened until 2017. So it was what, like a five year window between like seriously wondering like, wow, what's it like to have a YouTube channel and actually starting one? And the saddest part is like the barrier to entry for a YouTube channel is real low. You have to be 13 and have access to a Google account, which is free. So a lot of people on planet Earth are eligible to have YouTube channels. It's just a matter of clicking the button that says start channel or create channel or whatever. And that's it. And my biggest, absolute biggest regret with YouTube is that I didn't start earlier. That's without a doubt. I'm happy with where I am. I love the, the timing of how certain things lined up on this journey, but gosh, I mean, years of experience would have, it's just, it's frustrating. So the reason that I'm thinking about that is earlier today, even uh, Heather and I were driving to like run some errands and I don't know why this thought was popping into my head as I was driving, but I just remember, I, I just remember like, I don't know, maybe like five years ago when I'd be running errands on like the weekend, feeling sort of this constant gnawing sense of frustration where I just remember being very irritable, feeling frustrated, getting easily annoyed by, you know, other drivers, by other people in the world, by like just, I just remember being irritable and not really understanding why and feeling frustrated that I was irritable and it's just a whole a whole thing. And I was just kind of remembering like, yeah, I remember feeling that way a lot. And I, I don't know why I felt that way. And then I also remembered that in those times, I had this gnawing sense of, it was like a mix between, I can't wait to start something I'm excited about slash I guess I'll have to be okay with never having started the thing I'm excited about. And it was just, it was this weird thing of like, it was just this weird, it was just this mess, like this emotional mess of, I knew there was something, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted to start something, make something, like have something of my own, but I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know if 
it could ever be. And a big, big chunk of me just thought like it will never be. So you just need to be okay with that. And then convincing myself like, yeah, forget it. Like, it's just not a thing. Don't worry about it. It's not for you, which is dumb as hell because like, (laughs) you know, especially at the time I was like, I don't know, 29, 28, like plenty old enough to start like anything new and just feeling like, well, I missed my chance. Like life is over. Oh, well. And anyway, I was driving today just thinking about that and just thinking like, I haven't felt that way in years, like many years at this point. And then I just remember feeling this immense sense of gratitude, thinking like, I am so happy that I have my YouTube channel because there's so many serious things in the world. There's so many serious problems. I'm so lucky that I'm in a position where I have the time, the energy, the physical and mental health to to do this thing and that I can dedicate that time and energy to it and it's fulfilling and it's fun and it's rewarding and it's my own thing and it's growing and it's connecting me with other people. And I mean, that, you know, ultimately, like, that's a thing that led me to even meeting Heather, who I'm going to marry later this year. Like, it, I just, this this crazy sense of gratitude of, you know, like, YouTube can be stressful. YouTube can be frustrating. There's a whole culture around it. There's all those things. But I just, the feeling of, it was just like a, a sense of clarity of how valuable this thing that I've created really is, not just monetarily, but emotionally or I don't know artistically intrinsically whatever you want to call it there's something really valuable about just having this thing that exists that didn't exist before and it was just like a crazy sense of appreciation and it really made me think like gosh if I had had that you know years before in those times when I was feeling so irritable and frustrated my outlook on everything would have been totally different and that's where i was just like my biggest it's you can't put that it's hard to put it into words i mean this is literally a podcast where i'm telling the story so saying like it's hard to put into words is kind of terrible because it's literally my job right now as i'm talking about things is to put them into words but it's it's hard to communicate fully how that feels and how just rewarding that is for reasons that go beyond all of the superficial things that I think people typically think of when they think of like having a YouTube channel, being a YouTuber and all that stuff. So that's my biggest YouTube regret. And I wanted to share that because I know there are so many people out there who want to start channels or have started, but kind of like fell off a little bit or, you know, I started, you post one video or two videos and kind of like, oh, I don't know where to go from here. And I, I just wanted to share <laughs> my thoughts on that. And I was also then looking through Facebook and Reddit because on Reddit, I don't really follow YouTube subreddits, but every once in a while, I'll kind of like pop into a couple of them just to see what people are talking about. Sometimes there's interesting discussions or whatever happening in there. And then I'm also a member of a couple YouTube Facebook groups, um, like YouTube creator Facebook groups, which are, it's fun, you know, just to be able to have some conversations with people that are not like the conversations you can just you can find easily in everyday life especially if you're not surrounded you know if you don't live in a place where like for some reason everybody has a youtube channel 
it's hard to have some of these discussions with people where it makes sense and they understand what you're talking about or going through or whatever. But I noticed this huge trend. So I, I wrote some of the questions down. So for example, on in from some of the Facebook groups, here are four posts that I found today. Uh, one of them, somebody said, I finally have equipment and I'm ready to start working on my first video, but I'm worried about getting demonetized because of COPPA. And somebody else said, I was excited to start a channel until I realized my idea had already been done. And another person said, I've been planning to start for two years, literally. I have loads of notes and three different ideas and I don't know where to begin. And another post was, I'm wanting to start, but I'm nervous and have too many ideas. So those are just on Facebook groups. And you can kind of see there's a lot of overlap between them. So <laughs> to, to just sort of address, I think those are common thoughts. I think I've had similar thoughts. You know, the first one is like, I have equipment, I want to start working, but I'm worried about getting demonetized because of COPPA, which is the Children's Online Protection Privacy Protection Act. Basically, the start of 2020, YouTube made it so every time you upload a video or you have a channel, you have to clearly state whether or not it's intended for children, which doesn't mean that it's child appropriate. Like all of my videos are appropriate for kids. There's nothing like gross or explicit in them. They're just probably not interesting for kids. They're definitely not intended for kids. So I click, no, it's not intended for kids when I upload because it's not, even though there's nothing inappropriate in them. But anyway, you have to start doing that. And if if you, you make a video that's intended for kids and you don't mark it as such, in theory, you could be fined up to like $42,000 each time, which, you know... <laughs> That, that's like the sign on the freeway that says $1,000 fine for littering. And you're like, okay, there's still a lot of litter on the side of the freeway. Like I have a feeling all these people weren't charged $1,000 to do this. But anyway, it's the law. It's a serious thing lots of people have been talking about. But it's also like, unless you do make content specifically for kids, you you literally have nothing to worry about. You just click no when you upload a video and that's it. So it's pretty easy. But <laughs> this is a person talking about starting a channel and worrying about getting demonetized. You can't even be monetized until you have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time, which is a really hard thing to accomplish because even if you have, you know, if you're great at promoting and you just blow through your subscriber count in a few months, getting thousands of hours of watch time in a 12-month period is kind of hard to fake. Like you really need genuine people watching your content and so by the time you have those two things that subscriber number and that watch time number you generally have a pretty well established channel and then you you can become monetized and then you can worry about being demonetized once you are monetized but this person hadn't uploaded one video yet so they're they are worried about like tripping and falling as they cross the finish line before they've even put their shoes on to start the race like you need to take this one step at a time and and other people are saying you know i was excited to start until i realized my idea had already been done it's like okay yeah <laughs> you know how many people talk about cameras and final cut pro and video production on youtube and I had been interested in this in, since like 2013. You know how many more people did it in 2017? You know how many more people are doing it in 2020? But that's not... If you're looking for a topic that is where you're the only person talking about it, 
I mean, I, that's a real niche if literally no one else in the world has this experience that you do, but it doesn't matter if it's something that that's already been done. You will bring your own perspective to it as long as you have value. And I talked about that before because it took me a while to realize that the thing I really did want to focus on was like cameras, video production, helping people level up their video production skills because I did. I was worried that there were too many channels like that, but I realized that for me, that was the thing that not only have I done the most in my life and I had the most skills at, but that was the thing that was I was most interested in. I can talk about it all day. I know a lot about it. I love learning about it. Like I, it's been you know thirty years of playing with it at this point, and I'm not tired of it. So that seemed to be the most sustainable thing, regardless of how many people are or aren't doing that. In addition to me, a couple of years ago, I heard an interview with Terry Crews on a podcast where. It was really interesting. His whole story and philosophy was amazing, but he talked about, you know, doing things his own way and establishing himself in a very unconventional way. His whole story is not what you would expect from a a famous like athletic movie star. But essentially at one point he said like everybody's trying to carve out their own piece of the pie. He's like, "I don't care about that. I'll just make my own pie." And that's a very simple metaphor, but it's really true. Like it's, it's not about, is there room for you to get your little slice of the pie? The whole point of YouTube is that it's just full of ovens where you bake your own pies and you get as much of it as you want or as little of it as you want. And that's one of the important things to remember when you jump into it is like everything you want to do probably has been done, but it hasn't been done by you with your perspective, your experience, your style. And if you really want to do it, it is worth, it's worth giving, giving it a shot. And then of course, this is really cliche advice, but you'll hear people talk about all the time that YouTube is a marathon and not a sprint, which is, which is true. It's not about posting that one video or those two videos and like blowing up like crazy. It's about, you know, grinding away constantly, seeing sometimes little to no results, but knowing that each thing is one more step, one more layer, one more brick in the overall structure, the overall thing that you're building. And um, I think it was maybe in the last week or so, uh, Roberto Blake on Twitter posted some of these statistics that he got off of, I think it was from Social Blade or TubeBuddy or something. But it was, um, it was about, he kind of looked at creators that have over a million subscribers and found that for channels with over a million subscribers, on average, they had like some, it was something like 860 videos. And then you looked at PewDiePie, who's the largest individual creator on YouTube with over 100 million subscribers. And I think it was something like he had, he posted, it was like 800 videos by the time he hit 2,500 subscribers. And a lot of people were going like, before before Roberto mentioned that he was talking about PewDiePie, a lot of people were like, ooh, if someone's posting 800 videos and they have 2,500 subscribers, they should just give up. Like, clearly it's not working. They don't have what it takes. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, this guy is actually like the most successful individual creator on the entire platform. So that's a big part of it. It's not one or two things. It's many, many, many things, which for me kind of put it in perspective. And like, even with 200 videos, even at 10,000 subscribers, those people that I look up to that have like those 
huge channels and, and way broader things, they have put in a lot more work than I have. And I've put in a lot of work, but they have put in more. And that's how you get to that point is it just takes time to put in more work, which is why if you start earlier and you start sooner, you have more time to do that. You have more time to put in that work and make that progress because it's going to take that time no matter what. And just sort of understanding that and accepting that is really important. Uh, and then the last two comments on Facebook that that I brought up right now were people essentially saying, like, I've been planning for years. I'm waiting to start, but I have so many ideas, so many ideas. I don't know what to do. And it's like, it just make some videos, <laughs> you know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just make some videos. You'll figure it out as you go. Your first videos are probably going to be bad. And even if they're not bad, they're probably not going to be, no matter what, they're probably not going to be representative of what your channel will become after 100 videos. And you, you can see this in, in TV shows where if a TV show has been on the air for like five or six or 10 years and you go back and watch the pilot episode, it usually feels totally different from the later seasons, even just two or three seasons later. Because even with a full-on crew and a huge budget and a studio behind them, it still just takes time to develop the thing that you're trying to make. And even, you know, those long-standing industry professionals need that time. So if you're trying to start a YouTube channel at a perfect level, it's just not something that's going to happen. And that's, I've gotten a lot of emails from people who are very interested in starting channels and they're very interested in the gear they need to start a channel, which is fun. I love having those conversations. But a lot of times I'll go like, this is, you know, this is what I use. This is what I'd recommend. If you have a budget, this is what I'd recommend. But then I always say like, just get started, just get started. Like, no, I, I want to make sure everything's like really, really perfect and, you know, really, really perfect. And I want this to happen, that happen. And one thing that that's really common is you hear kind of people go like, oh, I don't want to put something on YouTube or I don't want to put something imperfect on there where the whole world can see it. And in theory, yes, the whole world can see whatever you put on the internet because it's on the internet and it's public and it's there you know, forever. So the whole world can see it. But when you're just starting out, nobody is watching. For you know, 99.9% .9 of us, nobody is watching, myself included. Nobody cares. And that is actually a great thing. If you want to start learning to dance, you don't want to do it in front of a giant crowd. You want to do it when nobody's watching. And that way, when you do have a crowd, you've built up some moves that then, hey, look, now I'm not totally embarrassed to be doing this in front of people. So when you're just starting out, there's probably not going to be a ton of attention. And the attention you get is probably going to be people. If someone finds your channel when you have two subscribers or five subscribers and they watch your videos and they like it and they leave you comments and they subscribe to it, it's either going to be somebody who is just trolling you and leaving a mean comment because they found a small channel and they just want to be mean. I don't think that's very common. More than likely, it's going to be someone who actually likes what you're doing and wants to see you succeed and is like invested in what you're doing. So the first feedback and interactions you get on the platform are probably going to be pretty positive because you're going to end up not finding a ton of people right away, but the people you do find or the people who find you are probably going to be way more supportive and involved than you would expect. And that's going to help, but that can't happen if you don't get started. And they're not going to care 
what your your target audience is, what the vision is. They just want to see each thing kind of evolve. You know, maybe your editing or your camera work gets a little better with each video. Maybe your purpose gets better with each video. Even me, I thought I had, you know, the best, clearest ideas of what I wanted to do. And like, even still, I you know, it's something I think of every day is what is clear. But especially at the beginning, I was making videos about anything and everything, which was really fun. And that 30-day upload challenge was just a whole buffet of random videos. But by the end of that, I had learned some specific stylistic things in terms of filming, editing, on-camera presence that I knew I wanted to incorporate into my future videos, whatever those turned into. So it just takes time to to figure those things out, to develop your style. Of course, you're going to start out probably trying to do things similar to the people who influenced you, but then you're going to end up putting your own spin on it and creating your own thing. And it just, it's part of that process, but it takes time. And so the only way you can do that is to get started. And the biggest regret is if you just don't get started. So that's, I mean, I, I just, it's so clear looking back, but man, at the time I was just so scared to get started. Kind of some more questions similar to this. And I wanted to go through these just because of how, common these questions and these thoughts and these concerns are. So over on Reddit, uh, somebody asked a question that said, uh, does anyone have advice on how to jump back into YouTube? I haven't posted since 2018. How do I relaunch myself? And luckily, all the comments on that thread were like, just post some videos. Like nobody is sitting around every day checking, going like, oh my gosh, where is this small channel that hasn't posted in two years? Is today the day? Is today the day? Like, no, they nobody's watching just post something upload it go for it if you have a channel where people are already subscribed from a long time ago and you post something they don't like they will unsubscribe and new people who like it will subscribe and it'll it'll all work out but you have to just make the stuff somebody else was saying i can't wait to get started once i decide on my channel name once i get my name down i'm gonna hit it full steam but what's a name and they had some lists for names when you're just starting out it's not that the name doesn't matter, but the name doesn't matter. <laughs> the basic, like, I guess you could say maybe like the basic email address sort of matters, kind of-ish, depending on how much you're going to actually use the email address you use to create a channel. But especially up till 100 subscribers, that's when you get, you know, your custom URL and stuff, which is not an easy thing to change. So that first window, and that's probably one of the reasons YouTube does it, this way anyway, that first 100 subscribers, which can be such a huge chunk of that marathon for most of us, is your chance to figure those things out. So, I mean, I I know people with channels that have seven, 8,000 subscribers and they change their channel name like, I don't know, four times a year because they constantly want to like rebrand and do different things. And I wouldn't recommend that, but it's not hurting anything. But especially when you're small and you don't have your custom permanent URL yet, you can change your, you can be your personal name, then you can go to a branded thing, you can switch to this, switch to that. You have plenty of time to figure out what's actually working, but you're not really going to be able to do that until you actually get started. And then you can like, you can nail things down and lock things in as you discover them, but you're just never going to be able to do that in a vacuum by yourself before you've actually started anything. Um, somebody else on Reddit said they're looking to start a YouTube channel, but they hate the sound of their voice, so they're not ready to start yet. I think most people hate the sound of their voice. I mean, 
throughout, I think if you think about this too, throughout the course of your life, how many people have you met that have objectively bad voices? There's probably some voices that are more pleasing. I think it's really common when someone has an incredible voice that it just stands out and you're like, ooh, I really like your voice. But as far as like, when was the last time you met someone that just had a voice that you just couldn't stand to listen to? I can think of maybe a couple times in my life. I can't even really remember the specific people. I just sort of remember feelings of of being annoyed by voices. But a lot of that was also the personality behind the voice, not just the voice itself. Point being, most people don't have, a, most people don't like the sound of their own voice, especially at first if they're not used to hearing it. And most people don't have bad voices. Your voice might not be the same as somebody you admire, but it's probably not a terrible voice. And the more that you're used to to being in front of a camera, being in front of a microphone, the more you get used to you know, seeing your face, seeing yourself, hearing your voice, and the more you just start to understand other people, how much are you judging someone else? Like, this person's voice is terrible, this person's nose is weird, their eyes are ugly. Like, I know I don't really have any of those thoughts at all when I'm watching things. I'm just paying attention to what the person is sharing. And that's what people are gonna do to you. They're not, they're not out to just destroy you unless you're making videos like specifically for a middle school audience or something. And even then, like, you know, a lot of times kids can be way kinder than you'd expect. So in general, no one's out to criticize you. And if you think your voice is bad, that's fine. The more you kind of put yourself out there, the more you would get used to it. But again, it's not going to happen until you get started. Other people on Reddit were saying, um, I haven't started a channel yet. I want to, but the uphill battle seems too, too steep. It's too late. It's 2020. Um, which is, you know, it's just silly. Like there's what over 2 billion active users on that platform every month. If you don't think out of a chunk of 2 billion people that a few of them are going to be interested in something you want to do, then I mean, is there anyone in the world who would be interested in it? Like it's just goes back to the thing of don't get your own piece of the pie. Just make your own pie. There's plenty of ingredients. There's plenty of, of market space for good good content for interesting um you know novel wonderfully uh insightful perspectives to be shared on that platform uh somebody else was saying i want to start i can't wait to start my channel but i don't speak english natively it's like cool um of those 1.2 billion people a lot of them don't speak english natively so either just lean into the fact that you're not a native English speaker and make some mistakes when you're talking, which is fine. That's probably actually something an audience would find charming and endearing. Or what might even be smarter is to lean into the native language and and serve what is probably an underserved population because there's a lot of people who don't speak English that end up watching English videos with other language subtitles on them and they would love to be able to watch a video without subtitles that's in their native language. So all of these things, when I see all of these things, it's mostly excuses. It just reminds me so much of me in you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, <laughs> all those years where it was like, well, I wanna start a YouTube channel, but you know, what would I make videos about? Or who would wanna watch it? Or how do you even do it? Or when, you know, just all those questions, all that fear, all very valid questions where the only way to actually answer them is to just do the thing and figure it out. And 
there's a lot of benefits I've gotten over the past couple of years of, of having a YouTube channel. But one of the biggest ones is getting over my perfectionism, which doesn't mean to settle for like crappy quality. But if you're somebody who's having these questions where you want to do something and you're you're scared of the quality, you're scared of how it's going to come out and all that kind of stuff, that clearly means you have a certain bar, like a certain level of expectation. So you're probably not going to let yourself create something that's terrible. Like those those videos where you're just like, this is subjectively bad. Like how did you do this and think that this was at all good? We've all seen some of those. But the people asking these questions aren't the people who would make those videos. And the the thing with YouTube is because it's so, you know, if you're someone who makes one video a year, oh my God, the, the pressure and the stress that comes with releasing that one video a year is going to be immense. If you make a video a month or a couple videos a week or whatever, you get so used to the idea of I made something, I put it out there, I made something, put it out there that you stop being so precious with it and you stop thinking that everything has to be just perfect and you just sort of jump in and figure it out. And that for me is one of the best skills. Like I love, as someone who was paralyzed by perfectionism to the point where I just wouldn't do anything for so long, the idea that now my impulse is to just sort of jump in, be confident that like even when something's not perfect, I have a high enough standard that it's not gonna suck so just go for it and figure it out and then do better the next time if you need to or, or whatever. But learning that is something I couldn't have learned had I not started the channel. And it's just those little lessons happen all the time. And it's so, it's just so, it's great, but it's so frustrating to see so many people asking these same things of, you know, like just start the channel, just, just click the button, upload a thing see how that feels, upload another thing, upload another thing. Cause that, that's another thing too, is people get to this point and they're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm ready. I'm uploading a video. Woo. Video's done. Okay. Uploading a second video. Woo. And then by video three or four, there's sometimes just not a video five or a video six. And it just sort of fizzles out because they were so worried about like the process and the thing that they forgot to like have fun. They forgot to enjoy it. They forgot to find something that's actually sustainable, something they're actually interested in, or they decided, you know, they started at one thing, decided they want to do something else. And now it's like, oh, do I switch to a new channel? Do I do this? Like, just figure it out, adapt as you go. If you have an audience that's watching, just be upfront with them about it. That's, you know, a lot of those people are there for you anyway. So the the more open and genuine and honest you can be, the better it's going to be for everybody. So that's, that's my biggest regret is just not starting earlier. And all of the comments that I read that I read today are from like today or yesterday. So it's the same things I was dealing with for years, you know, six years ago, whatever. And people are still having those same questions, same issues today. And people are probably still going to have them, you know, in a few more years. And the only way to get over them is to just jump in. Like you can sit there at the edge of the pool and you can, put your toe in the water and think like, ah, it's too cold. I don't want it. But we all know that the, the best way to do it is just jump in and then everything is fine. And, you know, there's that little bit of time where your body's got to adjust to the temperature. But after that, everything's fine. And that's YouTube is no different. Just jump in, figure it out, and you will be fine. And if you totally hate it, cool. You don't have to do it anymore. It's not, 
your job. Like you, you're doing this voluntarily. Just stop if it sucks, but you'll probably end up learning a lot about yourself. You'll probably end up connecting with people in ways that you wouldn't have imagined. And you'll probably end up finding something in your life that has immense value that you'll be really grateful you have as time goes on and nobody else can take it away from you because it is an investment in yourself and that is something that is always just going to be yours and yours alone. So just start your channel, jump on and get it going. All right, before we wrap it up today, it's time for Gear of the Week, where I'm going to talk about some of my favorite stuff. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to just clarify that not only are my dogs barking because they're so excited about Gear of the Week, but I wanted to clarify that my point with this segment is not to pitch products or sell things. Uh, I do put affiliate links in the description, but I want to we've talked about affiliate links and the value of them. I want to make sure you know if you're interested in the thing I'm talking about where you can go get it. And hey, if I'm referring you to a store where you're, you might buy something, sure. If that store wants to pay me a commission, I'll take it. Plus that that's a great way to just support all these podcasts and channels and all that stuff. But anyway, my point isn't to try to sell stuff. It's just to share stuff I'm excited about that genuinely has like made my technical creative life tech life better in some way recently and this week is something i'm using right now that i've been using this entire podcast which is a brand new pair of headphones that i absolutely love um they are the sony i don't remember the whole name i don't think i have the box still they're the sony like ch700n i'll put a link <laughs> in the show notes they're awesome headphones that aren't insanely expensive i got them over the holidays for about a hundred dollars I think they're normally retail for $200, but I've seen them sort of bounce all around between like 100 and 200. I think as of recording this today, they were on Amazon for 130, which is not a bad price. Um, I have AirPods, I love those, but for e editing video, for doing podcasts, I had a nice pair of big over the ear Audio-Technica headphones that I'd had forever until they literally just started like rotting away because they were so old. And I needed some new headphones and I found we actually got a pair of these for Heather's dad for Christmas. And then I, they just seemed so cool that I ended up getting a pair for myself because they're Bluetooth headphones. They're over the ear. So your whole ear fits inside of them. They're really comfortable. The price was really good, but they also aren't only Bluetooth. Like right now I'm using them with a cord that's plugged into the Rodecaster Pro. So you don't have to have battery power to them. The battery does last forever. They connect to everything really easily. I've been using them while I, I've been using them while I edit videos, and there's no lag or delay. I don't like using my AirPods when I edit videos because there's like a millisecond delay that's really annoying. It's hard to sync things up. These there's no delay even over Bluetooth. So now I can be at my laptop editing with no cable that I'm always going to trip over and almost pull my computer onto the floor. That kind of stuff. The sound quality is great. It's not like the best sounding headphones I've ever heard, but it's great. They have noise canceling, which is like 
it's not the most insane noise canceling. Like if you've been in some stores and you put on headphones and they have noise canceling, it feels like you've been like transported into a different dimension or something. These don't have that, but they have pretty decent noise canceling that makes it easier to focus on the stuff you're listening to, which is great when you're editing or, or dealing with anything with voice. Um, they also don't stink like my old ones did after all those years. They they like smell nice. They they're great headphones. Um, I'm not a huge headphone guy. I know some people like get every pair of expensive headphones around there. I just wanted something that works and will last a long time. And these things are great and they have really, really just been for the last like month or so that I've had them making my life so much easier. And, and they have this little thing on one of the, uh, they have a couple buttons on them. And one of the things is this little toggle switch so you can actually just skip and pause and like fast forward tracks as you're listening, which is really cool. So if you are just listening to music, you can just click a little thing on your, um, I don't know what it is, like the ear cup and it'll move the song forward or backwards. They're great. I love them. I'll put a link there. That is absolutely my choice for gear of the week. So in the meantime, uh, please don't forget that you can go to anchor.fm slash enthusiasm and leave a message. You can leave a voice message and I would love, love, love to be able to include your voice, your thoughts, your opinions on a future episode. It can be related to anything we've talked about, but it can also just be Anything else that you think is relevant to me, to people who might listen to this show, and of course, I always thank you for your time. If you want to reach out to me directly, um, you can send me an email, tom at enthusiasmproject.com. I'm at Tom on all of the social medias. And of course, there's that old YouTube channel, The Enthusiasm Project. Uh, feel free to check it out. Thank you so much for spending your time. I hope you got something out of today's discussion, and I will see you in the next episode. 